Our second lesson today comes from the book of Romans. Several months ago, I had a sermon from one verse from this longer passage. Today, the lectionary passage for this day takes us back to this same text, but it's much longer and you'll hear and you'll hear the whole thing read and I'll also reflect on larger parts of it. Let us listen for God's word from Romans 8, the last verses, beginning with verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know how to pray as we ought, but that very Spirit intercedes with sighs too deep for words. And God, who searches the heart, knows what is in the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. We know that all things work together for good for those who love God, who are called according to His purpose. For those whom He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son, in order that He might be the firstborn within a large family. And those whom He predestined, He also called. And those whom He called, He also justified. And those whom He justified, He also glorified. What then are we to say about these things? If God is for us, who is against us? He who did not withhold his own son, but gave him up for all of us, will he not with him also give us everything else? Who will bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? It is Christ Jesus who died, yes, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed intercedes for us. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will hardship or distress or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword. As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. One of you passed along to me this week a cartoon. It was a cartoon clip from the newspaper, and it came from that legendary strip Peanuts by Charles Schultz. There are two figures in this strip, Lucy and Linus. Lucy, who always has something smart to say, she's famous for bossing her brother around. And then there's Linus, who loves to annoy his sister Lucy, but is also known for his passive resistance and his quick wit. So in the first frame of this strip, Lucy holds, Linus rather, holds a large placard that says, help stamp things out. Lucy is also in the frame, and she just stares at this placard as if Linus has lost his mind. And then Lucy says, you'll never do any good with a sign like that. You have to be more specific. Linus walks away, leaving Lucy all alone and staring off in the distance. And in the last frame, Linus comes back with his revised placard, holding it high above his head his head and it says help stamp things out that need stamping out (laughs) 
that cartoon was passed to, along to me this week, and it struck a chord with me because it's been almost overwhelming, it seems, the number of things that need to be stamped out, especially in these days. Some of us continue to deal with troubling personal issues. Maybe it's a visit to the, to the doctor again and medical circumstances that challenge how we think and what we do with our days and what we're facing. Maybe it's confusion about what's next for us in life, something else haunting us about our children or about our parents or about some other situation in our job that's emerging or something else. And then we find ourselves reminded again that we live in a dangerous and complex world. A passenger jet full of students, full of business travelers, full of families going on vacation, full of others is shot down over the Ukraine from 33,000 feet. And we grieve this week and we feel the pain this week as we see those coffins coming off that jet back home to the Netherlands. Israel and Hamas continue to be engaged in a costly and crazy war that's killing innocent people every day. The fear, the screaming, the losses, they're just mounting. So many children and others from Central America are wandering through danger and deserts, hoping for asylum in this country. And then there are people holding signs that say, secure the borders and stop the invasion. We're one of the wealthiest countries in the whole world. We got the most crowded prisons. We're one of the most sophisticated countries in the whole world. And we have the highest by far number of gun deaths every day. And then we name issues within our city and in our state. We have polarized politics. We have our governor and the first lady starting a big trial tomorrow. And we have a city that's divided about how to bring economic vitality and social cohesion to the city. There's so much today that we want to stamp out. And we might have different lists, but I suspect there would be a lot of similarities on our list. And I'm hopeful that if we talked about what God wanted to stamp out, our list would get pretty consistent. We all have lists of what to stamp out. And the lists seem to be growing. What do you think God would stamp out? I'm so grateful today in my own heart for this particular text from Romans 8. Most of us are familiar with this text. If 1 Corinthians 13, the, the love passage, uh, is obligatory for weddings, this passage from Romans 8 has become the text for funerals and the text for critical times, times of chaos and pain. But this is not just a text for critical times and chaos and pain. This is a text for everyday living. This is a text that embodies some pretty promising words for my life today and our city today and I think your life and our world today when chaos can cover us. 
when uncertainty, uncertainty can, can debilitate us, when we feel the burdens of life weighing us down, when the complexities can overwhelm us. And this text becomes gospel for me in these days when we realize that we cannot always stamp everything out that, that needs stamping out. No, indeed, life is hard and the world is harsh and sometimes the tests say cancer and you've got to deal with it. And sometimes the rockets and the missiles keep going and killing people. And sometimes the border disputes are just too complicated to figure out. And sometimes the terror and aggression and appropriate retaliation get so confusing. And sometimes moving forward for the common good, whether it's in the city or it's in the state or in the world, remains far more complicated than we can imagine. In this familiar passage, Paul uh, addresses the challenging and the universal issue of suffering. Paul knows what we all know. To live is to enjoy life. To live is to experience love and light and possibilities. To live is to share in God's wonderful creation. And to live is to suffer. It's part of the deal. But there are three pretty promising words in this passage that deserve our attention today in relation to our life and our times and maybe even our suffering. First, Paul reminds us that the Spirit helps us in our weakness. The Spirit intercedes for us, especially when we don't know what to say, when we don't even know what to pray. The Spirit intercedes for us in our weakness. You know, we often find ourselves in places where we don't know what to say and we don't know what to pray. And often in the midst of some trauma or heartache or often in the midst of some situation where we're too stunned to speak, too overwhelmed to make sense of it, too perplexed to know what to do, Paul says this, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. Just let that sink in just a minute. Can you say it? How about repeating it with me? The Spirit helps us in our weakness. It's true. The Spirit intercedes for us with sighs that are too deep for words. That is grand news for our lives. When we do not know what to say, when we do not know what to pray or how to even think, the Spirit helps us and intercedes for us in our weakness, conveying the essence of our hearts to God's heart, making sure God knows, making sure God understands the places where we are and the things that we need most. That's gospel. This past week I visited Lorna Barrow, Lorna Barrow's a longtime member of this church, and she usually sat right here in this transept on the front row. She spent her life as a professor of nursing at MCV. She's a friend to many in this church, and Lorna is now confined to her bed, surrounded by round-the-clock nursing and hospice care. 
When I saw her this week, we had a brief interchange, exchange, and I told her I was preaching on this passage from Romans 8 about the Spirit interceding on our behalf. We don't know what to pray. We don't know what to say. We don't even know how to think or function in some moments. I was telling her about this passage, and the Spirit works to convey our deepest needs to God. This is what Lorna said. You know, Alec, that is so true. This is exactly what I've learned in my life. That is so good. God knows us better than we know ourselves. I was the one who needed to hear it. She spoke the words. That afternoon, I was the one that needed to hear it. The Spirit helps us in our weakness. The Spirit intercedes us when we don't even know what to say or pray. The second major point in this passage has to do with verse 28. The verse is rife with difficulties. As I've said before, uh, the text that I read puts it this way. Verse 28 from this particular Bible. It says, we know that all things work together for good for those who love God. All things work together for good for those who love God. But every good Bible has a footnote by this verse because there remains great debate about exactly what is intended by this particular verse. What does it really say? Because see, some early manuscripts say God makes all things work together for good. And some other Greek manuscripts say in all things God works for good. So there's a question about both the subject of this verse, is it God who makes all things work for good? Or is the subject all things? which somehow end up good. And there's a question about the verb. Does God work for good? Or is God simply present and things evolve, unfold, and become good for those who love God? Because there is some evidence that it might say that. These are important questions. These are critical questions to how we believe Who is God? How is God working? How good is the news in regard to the troubling situations of our lives? Is God working for good? Could it be real and true? What is true? What do we believe? Well, I think there's really no debate about this verse. The whole Bible is a story about God working for good. Despite the ups and downs that come our way, despite the wanderings and waywardness of God's people all through the ages, despite setback, despite heartache, despite despair, and even death, God is always working for good. It's not that things work for good for those who love God. Indeed, lots of things do not work for good. The critical and miserable things that happen to each of us are not going to automatically work for good by themselves, become good. A passenger jet going from one innocent destination to another is not going to work for good by itself when it's shot down out of the sky by a missile. Shooting missiles into crowded neighborhoods don't necessarily work for good by themselves. Closing our eyes to endless gun violence isn't going to make it good. 
refusing to work on immigration reform, those things are not working for good. All things by themselves are not working for good. But when the subject is God, which is what the Bible is about, whenever God is involved and God is always involved and present, when we know God's broader plans, which are about peace and wholeness and life and hope and love and joy, well, God always works to bring that about. Always. That's the promise. That's what Paul's saying. I've seen this in so many places in my own life. I just forget it. I've seen this in the misery that we encounter together. I've seen this in the worst trauma that we can imagine. God works through all things for good. God's activity brings redemption and hope and possibility in every part of creation. This is what the Bible is about. Page after page, through misery and trauma, through failure and the biggest mistakes that people make, even total hopelessness, God's abiding care and God's presence brings life out of death, healing out of deepest hurt, light out of darkness, joy out of tears, dancing out of mourning. God works for good. When we're in the midst of it, we can't see it. We can't even imagine it. We are absolutely doubting whether it's true. How could this be? But with this kind of faith and hearts of love, we know. We keep hearing God is always at work. God is never leaving us. God is always redeeming. There's one final point in this text, and it deserves attention today too, and it's the word separate. The great promise in this text is that nothing, not anything, life, death, principalities, powers, not anything, as you heard, can separate us from God's love in Christ Jesus our Lord. I would say that separation is one of the most difficult issues that we deal with. Separation is all around us. Separation anxiety is what Paul wants to stamp out. Some of you know that Ginger and I have a two-year-old grandson. His name is Malcolm. To spend time with little Malcolm brings such joy to our lives. To spend time with him is to learn again the critical essence of separation anxiety because two-year-olds especially, but all of us also, can become devastated by separation. See, Malcolm is a wonderful and joy-filled kid, but if he misplaces his favorite toy or is all of a sudden woken up in the middle of the night and he can't find his pacifier or he finds himself in the room and he realizes that his mama or his daddy are not there anymore, he just might fall apart. 
It's separation anxiety that we understand very well. Two-year-olds and separation anxiety pretty much go together. But it's a message for our lives. And Paul is trying to stamp out things so that we find life and we find focus. And he's trying to stamp out separation anxiety when he says in this powerful verse, nothing. Nothing. Nothing, not anything, can separate us from God's love in Christ Jesus our Lord. Ginger demonstrated that well with the milk and the chocolate. Never can we separate the God's love from our lives. Life is hard. It is. We often find ourselves perplexed and confused and afraid and uncertain of what to do. We often find ourselves with a frantic sense of separation, anxiety, even despair. Paul keeps speaking words to our hearts, the very essence of the gospel, some pretty promising words for our lives. The Spirit helps us, even intercedes for us in our weakness. God works through all things to redeem and renew all things. And indeed, nothing can separate us from God's love. May these words today fill our hearts and cover our lives and lift us and encourage us and indeed cover our city and fill our world so that we can move more and more toward the peace and the wholeness and the hope of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Let us pray. We believe, O God, we do help our unbelief Help our unbelief and move us to deeper lives of loving and living, of trusting and serving as disciples of Christ our Lord. Amen.